you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. If you would start seeing the victory in the spirit and start praising him for the victory now. You can walk into the victory today. Hallelujah. I've never seen, I have never seen a successful sports team. I've never seen, whether it is on a high school or college or professional level, I've never seen a professional sports team that approached their opponent with an attitude of defeat and end up victorious. I think every time we face the devil, every time you face a trial, you need to face it with the attitude of victory. God intended for me to be the head and not the tail. I am to win and not to lose. I am to be blessed in my going in and my coming out. I refuse to take a back seat to the enemy. Oh, come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Praise Him for the victory. Praise Him for the victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, what a privilege this morning to bring the man of God to this pulpit. My wife had a little shower at the house last night for some of the girls, and they were gathered, and they kicked us out of the house. I was going to take... Brother Gonzalez to Indianapolis and feed him a steak at a nice restaurant. And he said, I don't want to go to Indianapolis. We came here, and I'm just going to put it like this. The Lord had some downloads for us last night. And there was a group of us set upstairs as he poured into us. I am so thankful for the God connection that he has made between this church, my ministry, my family, and Bishop Gonzalez. And I'm honored this morning to introduce him to this pulpit. The man of God for this hour, would you make Bishop Gonzalez very welcome as he comes. Take your liberty today, sir. Clap your hands to the Lord. Give God praise. Give honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
simple thing to know him. Be seated for just a moment, please. I must get the pleasantries aside. Mind my manners. That's what she said I had to do. say thank you to this great church for receiving our ministry. I say this very carefully and I say it, I hope you'll read it in the right spirit. I am humbled by what God is doing in our ministry. for more but I also understand that he has made me an anomaly among the apostolics and I'm not the only one I'm happy to report that I am standing in front of an anomaly The places that the Lord will take you, the things that he will do here through this church in this region and on a global level are going to cause you to be marginalized by small minds. Are you listening? going to cause you to be misunderstood because your hunger has transcended and has eclipsed and has sidelined tradition, apostolic religiosity. And because of that, there will be a mark upon you. Count it all joy to be misunderstood for the right reasons, to be questioned for the right motives. Because the people that count are going to be alongside of you. And those that don't going to watch you enter into this new dimension. I thank your pastor, your bishop, the fellowship that we've enjoyed with the boys, the fellas. Certainly give honor to First Lady and to all of you. Thank you. Thank you for being attentive. Thank you for opening your spirit to receive to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Today I want to continue in that vein of the Spirit that the Lord has um, placed us 
to flow in. And so I want to draw your attention to the book of Acts, chapter number 3. And we will draw some principles from there. How many love the Word of God? How many understand that the Word of God must be the supreme and final authority in all matters concerning our lives? And for that reason, we must stay in this book at all cost. The truths that set us free are there. I want to preface what I'm about to read by saying this. You may have heard me say it in passing throughout the last few days. And I'll probably say it again. The anointing of God has no pedigree. Are you listening? There's no pedigree. You'll hear that again. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple. At the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. For you civilians, that's 3 p.m. For the military and police, it's 1,500 hours. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Everybody say Beautiful. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. You know the rest of the story. We have rejoiced at the events that transpired that day. But oftentimes we haven't considered the journey of every individual who brought them to that defining moment. He was crippled from his birth or childhood at least. If you have read the discourse and moved on through the chapters, you'll find out this man was over 40 years old when the miracle took place. So he'd been in that condition a long time. He laid in very close proximity to a gate, to an entryway, to a passageway called beautiful. 
sad that for so long, whatever the circumstances at this point are not my focus, but rather sad to be in the presence of something beautiful, in close proximity to something beautiful, but to be crippled short of touching and of gaining access to it. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his holy temple. The implications of that statement do not just speak of a structure, but of a relationship between who he is and this temple and what he has given access to you and I. Yet, some remain crippled at such close proximity, afforded not just a possibility, but a promise of that beauty. Are you listening? And so, I cannot go any further until... I help you understand what the word beautiful really means. Corinthian brass covered that door. Certainly, it was called beautiful by its aesthetic appeal. But the scripture could care less about the externals. And so, can I go a little deeper? Beautiful is a Greek word that means timely or in perfect timing or synchronization with a purpose. Beautiful means that. It means seasonable or the fact that timing and seasons have been orchestrated for us by walking through a portal of such a call and opportunity. Can I go deeper? It means prime. Or in other words, that no matter at what stage of your life, you gain access regardless of what your circumstances may or may not be. Your perceptions or perspectives, once you make the move to cross through the gate, through the portal, you will be capacitated and empowered. You enter into your spiritual prime in the spirit regardless of your physical age. That's beautiful. 
One word means all that. But he was crippled in the presence of something beautiful. It also means to bloom or to flourish. Timing, season, prime, and blooming. In other words, when you do, there will be a development. There will be a progression. There will be a maturing. There will be a growing. There will be a blooming. You will blossom in that place like you never imagined that you could. That's beautiful. That's enough for an altar call. So, keep those words in mind. Keep that definition. It's in the book. I didn't make it up. It's Greek to you. But it's hopefully going to be real soon. Some of us have become the poster child of institutional thinking. It is a fact that he was lame from his mother's womb. And he perhaps of so many back then and even in this day in which we live could possibly be called living proof that if you will allow it, your history will affect your destiny. And so, invariably, arguably, I would declare to you with certainty that many do become the sum total of all of their experiences, and especially... Now listen to this, because this is the key. You become the sum total of all your experiences based upon or contingent upon how you choose to process what you have been through. He was crippled at such close proximity to something so beautiful, something full a promise, something full of such incredible revelation. It was a door. It was a portal to a destiny. But what cripples us? What is it that you failed to do? I said anointing has no pedigree. An anointing can be imprisoned in your thoughts, by your perceptions, by your history, by your culture, by all that you have become based on that final sum. 
and form a crippled identity. A semblance of Pentecostalism, but with very well-defined but self-imposed limitations. So, to truly address the matter, the elements that cripple us, that prevent us, that keep us settling for as little as possible, an alms, just begging for the possibility of continuing to exist when at that gate there is entry and access to abundance. We do have to. We do have to now begin to transition. We have to confront and carefully measure and understand that we now must use a different filter through which we are going to filter not only our history, which is our established patterns of living and thinking. We need a paradigm shift, a change of mind. Because when we sit crippled by virtue of giving more power to our experiences and our traumas than to the word, we've got it all backwards. Are you listening? You see, God is trying to elevate us. He is trying to awaken some of us to the reality that our perceptions, what are those? Your perceptions uh, are based on what you are as a person. Could be your race and how you view the world from that cultural point of reference. Your singleness or whether you're married also affects how you perceive your world. Are you listening? It affects your priorities. It affects your goals. Is that fair? It's the truth. And so, all of those things must be released as simple and as harmless as they may seem. Because quite often, it's not the big stuff but it's those little foxes that spoil things. It's the little things that we just have went ahead and accepted as a part of our life and our character and our experience and our mentality and our journey. And we don't realize we're so used to them that we don't recognize their danger. And then there's perspective. Perspective. That has to do not with who you are, but perspective has to do with your experiences, as I've been speaking here. Uh, specific events, whatever they may have been, 
as a critical incident team member, I deal with trauma within the community of law enforcement and military. I deal with a lot of things because I too am allergic to knives and bullets and have had the unpleasant experience of lead poisoning and unwanted surgeries. But perception and perspective bring us to a place where we must make a choice because that also affects how you and I read and apply God's word to our lives. The problem that we have is that when we give more power and more authority to perception and perspective, what we do is we take the word of God and we filter it through those perspectives and those perceptions, giving them more authority, and we just take whatever leftovers we may draw from the word on the other side of the filter. But God is awakening us now to tell us you got to flip that thing around. You got to give God and make his word the filter. And you shove those experiences and you shove those traumas and you filter it all through the final authority at the other end of that filtration process. Is your deliverance, is your anointing, is restored vision, purpose, focus. That's the dimension of revelation. Whatever it was that needed to happen, we cannot remain crippled in the presence of his beauty. So, once again, It's okay to become the sum total of all of those experiences as long as the right filter is there. Because whatever life meant, or that relative, or the devil, whatever they meant for evil, God can take the same experience through the filter of the Word and the Holy Ghost and produce a very different result than what your life has become. Somebody ought to be giving God praise because some of you have been through stuff that you still are not able to reconcile. And God is saying, I'm sending you a Peter and a John. I'm sending you a preacher to tell you it's time to cross through the gate, beautiful. It's time to quit being crippled. Lift your hands again and praise him. Don't make me plow so hard.
Lift him up, church. We're crossing through the gate, beautiful. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. You just need to let God begin to filter one by one, one day at a time. I'm telling you, you have a destiny. You have a purpose. You have a call. You have everything afforded to you that you need to get to where God has called you. It is the time. It is the season. You will be at your prime. And you will blossom. So, we have to become very intentional about what the finished product of our life is going to be in God's economy. I don't care what they told you. I don't care what they did or did not do to you or for you. I've been there. I have seen and done and had things done to me that I cannot unsee, undo, or in any way control at this point in my life other than the influence I will allow them to have. I will be intentional. I'm sorry, you are right, I heard you, your spirit says, but, that's the problem, too many big buts around here, too many excuses, too many I can't, and how dare you slap the king of kings, the creator who fearfully and wonderfully made you and gave you everything to overcome. How dare you say you cannot in the presence of his beauty. Some of you are calling this message saints in the hands of an angry preacher. I'm not angry. It's just that sometimes uh, we grieve the Holy Ghost and I feel his grief because I get to see you through his eyes. Everywhere I go, I get to envision you the way that the finished product was always intended to be except for those crippling mentalities and those crippling mindsets and paradigms. And so we plow, and we break up the fallow ground, and we drop the seed, and we continue to water it because you were destined to cross through the barrier of all your flesh into a dimension where that flesh will never again be a hindrance or stop you from touching the glory. You know anybody who's an angry person? 
Nobody raised their hand, but a few people went. <laughs> Angry <laughs> people. And <laughs> y'all look so guilty right now. Don't worry. Don't raise your hands. I know who you are. <laughs> I hate it that he lets me know. Oh, well. glad I don't gossip when it comes to the word of knowledge. <laughs> that gift would be killing everybody. <laughs> Guess what God showed me. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just the look on your face. It's priceless. Praise God. Angry people were not born that way. But neither were joyful people. Hello. You know anybody who's negative? I should stop asking so many questions, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> negative people weren't born that way, but neither were faith-filled people. There was a choice made at some point. I have told this to every generation, every young person, every older person, with all due respect to their generation. You have the power to make choices, but you don't have the power to choose the outcome of your choices. You think you do, but you do not. And the other thing that I say is this, look here. Listen to me. Oh, uh, mi attenzione. Where's the tab? Usta. Ma che questo? And whoever accused me of being in the mob, I know who you are. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. people this, not only do you not have control over the outcome of your choices, but you also need to understand that within the framework of your choices and opportunities, you have to make daily, daily decisions to reconcile and to engage him in the process of change. Bitter people were not born bitter. And neither were forgiving people. Haters were not born that way. But neither were lovers. And I mean it in the purest of ways. Institutional apostolics and Pentecostals were not born that way either. They were formed by the influences that they allowed to come into their lives. <clears throat> and for all of the accusations we want to rail at all other religious denominations, 
and organizations and structures, we should take the beam out of our own eye. disgruntled look over here and silence over there. That's wise. We should choose the right to remain silent. Listen, ugly situations have been around forever. I, nor you or I, can control what people think and oftentimes throughout our lifetime, we will not be able to control what people do. We can only play on that one string in that instrument that is called us. And only control how we choose to absorb, filter what things happen around us and what people do. Are you listening? that reason there's always something beautiful at close proximity to the worst thing that ever happened to you no matter how bad conditions get in our lives or have been throughout life possibilities are always near when you see visions your finances may be embattled, and if it's self-inflicted, then please honor the Lord and watch him open up the windows of heaven. But if he's taking you through something, then understand there is bounty in close proximity through that gate. So no matter what bad things are going on or have gone on, you need to understand. And I'm going to get to the meat of this message in just a moment. You need to understand beauty is nearby. I must always contrast all the pain and the battles and the heartaches of my life. I got to contrast them and put them in the right perspective by the proximity with which God has placed his beauty for me to access it is true that sometimes people, people hurt us. Does anybody here have at least one enemy? <laughs> really? No? <laughs> now we're getting hands raised. When you access and when you know what beauty offers you, you will change the way. You look at your enemy. People tend to allow the actions and the posture of an enemy. Listen, if you listen to nothing else, you listen to this. And we want to embattle ourselves with everything that that enemy is trying to do to hinder us. David refused to look at Goliath as a hindrance or an obstacle. He had a revelation because he spent time in the presence of God. Your enemy is not an obstacle. Your enemy is a door. 
I love my enemies because I know that when they come against me, God is simply placing a door for me to walk through a victory into another dimension, into the next place I'm supposed to be. An enemy is not an obstacle. Don't ask God to get your enemies out of the way. Tell them to send them on down. And that's where everybody went. An enemy is a door. An enemy is a portal. An enemy is a victory waiting to happen. Don't embattle yourself with his identity. Just embrace yours so you can walk through the door. Come on, church. Stop. Stop walking down the yellow brick road. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions and bears and giants and Saul. Oh, my. Doors. Bishop, every one of them are a door. And here's the kicker. Where I come from. And some of you all may appreciate this. Whether you came from the hood or a military background, I don't get paid to fight fair. I get paid to win. I said I don't get paid to fight fair. That enemy is a door. And that means I'm going to serve the warrant. I am usually the key man. You know who the key man is in a warrant? It's the guy with that big chunk of steel that says, ready? I love to destroy things. But the mobster part of me wants to throw a few of them in the trunk. God says, no, you can't have that. I said, please. I said, please. The enemy is a door. Now, can I expand the perimeter a little bit of the concept of being crippled. The lame man was stuck in a passageway. Are you listening? While everyone else passed him by. Why? He had no greater expectation. And not only did he have no greater expectation than to remain in the shallows of that crippled condition he had embraced his limitations. He accepted them. As a matter of fact, he had no clue until those two fellows showed up. But not only that, he hadn't considered any other possibility 
any other kind of change in his life. And what's crazy is not only did he get used to being around crippled people, even those that brought him that were not crippled had no greater expectations for him. Are you listening? It was the perfect storm to die that way. And that's why part of your deliverance from whatever crippling thing is going on in your life is to reassess what your true expectations are and to begin to reevaluate what a limitation means to God versus what it means to you because a limitation to God is just another opportunity for the divine nature within you to rise up with righteous indignation and say to the mountain be thou removed get out of my way I have a destiny and this thing is not going to stop me anymore divine nature cries out when my humanity cannot reconcile it Lift your hands and give him praise. No more birds of a feather flocking together. Listen. Listen. Just because people are hanging around you and calling you friends calling them friend doesn't mean that they're helping you get where you're supposed to get. We're besties. We're besties. LOL. say it again it bounced off of some of you so I guess I used the wrong caliber let me step it up a little bit to a 50 cal and cause some severe emotional and physical and mental mass displacement in your spirit just because they've been hanging around with you and you were buddies from birth or school or whatever it is, does not mean that they're helping you get to where you're supposed to. You're going to have to evaluate your friendships. And you're going to have to place them in the right place. You're going to have to. That doesn't mean you don't love them. That doesn't mean you hate them. That just means that you've got to stop allowing certain influences in your life that are hindering you from getting to where you need to go. to have the girlfriend from hell 
Is that too strong? I'm not saying I was not the boyfriend from hell. I'm just saying when you're in such a toxic situation, you can't see your own poison. It is. It is. Don't break up with her. She's good for you. chosen a girl from my tribe from my people you have chosen a girl from my people you better watch it though man them Latinas they'll cut you they'll cut you take that off the tape oh, what am I worried about I married a white girl too <laughs> But you know, it's, you know when it's time to break stuff up. But there's always, if you don't settle the matter of your identity and that you're never going to again allow yourself to be crippled in the presence of something beautiful. I remember, man, we finally broke up. We finally broke up. And I ended up at church. And that's an incredible testimony and journey. When I walked into church, people cleared the pews for me to sit. I guess I looked that bad. But I'll never forget two, three weeks into the Holy Ghost in my life and beginning to feel the changes and reaching for that beautiful life that was at that portal, crossing through the threshold toward my destiny. I get a phone call. I miss you. Can we get back? No! So once you're uncrippled, don't you go back. Don't you go back. Don't get talked back into a situation that you know is going to rob you of your destiny. Do not look back. You put your hand to the plow and you move forward. History remains history. meddle a little bit more. <laughs> Listen, knuckleheads. <laughs> we have a major malfunction <laughs> in the house of God because we hook up because they have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Can I talk to the young people for a minute? Because, you know, I'm going to pass on and if I'm going to leave this mantle to you kids, <laughs> you better be doing right. Well, I'm going to come back and haunt you after I die. No, I don't believe in that. But I, uh, you'll, you'll see me. You'll remember me by the other person that God sends to remind you. Young people, it's just a commercial. Can I give a commercial? You all start liking each other. You boys are nothing but hormones on legs. That's what you are. 
and you're so visually oriented that you don't know how to pray about the will of God. Well, you old folks, just relax. You've been there, done that. You've been married for 100 years. Congratulations. But you start every relationship on the visual, and then you engage it on the emotional. But how often do you get on your knees, regardless of whether she is full of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, and she is hot? Well, she melts you with that look. As her eyelashes wave at you. But how often do you get on your knees and understand and pray and say, God, I know she's hot and she's got a great personality, but God, you have a plan for her life. And I don't dare engage that girl and start something with her that's going to move her out of the path that you have set. And young lady, you need to be doing the same before you conquer that boy. God, that boy has a call. That boy has a ministry. God, I don't want to interfere. And if only you say that we can do this better together, then we'll go there. That's what you do. You pray. I don't care if the first time you looked at her, she was hot. The first word out of your mouth should be Jesus. And not Jesus as in Jesus. Jesus as in, okay, whoa. Help me to do this right. All right, that was it. Sit down. This is Awakening Conquerors 102 or whatever you call yourselves around here. The crowd, the crew. So, there's a lot of things that come into play being crippled and it does matter who's around you it does matter where you spend the majority of your time and what draws your intellect and your thoughts and your affections more all of that plays into your spiritual state it does matter who you allow to influence your life listen some people will absolutely kill your vision and paralyze your call if you listen to them long enough. Some people can't stand your vision because they don't have one. I know I just crossed over from country, rural, middle America into the hood. Mark your words carefully. Your mouth will always be a reflection of where your heart has been living. Too often, because of time and circumstance, we have learned how to vocalize our very crippled condition into existence. And we nurture it by what we say. Isn't that in the Bible? Something about as a man The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I knew I was in the Bible. 
I'm going to finish with this because otherwise I'll never get into it. Romans 4. Regardless of where you've been and what your life has summed up to be, I can see many walks of life here. I can see many levels in the social strata, economic strata. I can see a lot, not by your physical appearance, but by what I discern in the Holy Ghost. Before you start thinking, well, my car's pretty good, it's expensive. I got it at the men's warehouse. You did not, you got it over at Walmart. Yeah, stop lying. So it's not about what you look like, it's about what I see in the Spirit. And so I'm going to make this statement from these words here. The discourse I'm about to read, you can stand if you want to, I'm almost done. Hopefully we'll finish tonight. The discourse that I'm about to read is proof, proof that God has a different standard by which he chooses to bless you. And touch your life. As it is written, Romans 4, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Are you listening? Who against hope, he's talking about Abraham, believed in hope. In other words, against a guarantee, a security deposit that may or may not materialize based on whether I look at it through the, my humanity or my spirituality. Are you listening? That he might be, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. Point two. And being not weak in faith. In other words, the word there means being not deficient in embracing the authority delegated to him that's what that means in the Hebrew and not distressed he considered not he gave no regard to the current natural circumstances that governed the moment he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Number three, he staggered not. So against hope, he believed in hope. Being not weak in faith, he considered not. And then he staggered not. What does that mean? He made this is the beauty of the Hebrew. That means he made no room or allocation to disruptions in the process.
Can I go just one step deeper? And so he staggered not. He didn't make room for those disruptions to the process. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And the last point, and being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. That means he was convinced that God would not fail him. That God would discharge his duties responsibly and completely even as he spoke them. That's all in the root of that phrase. And so... Being fully persuaded that he had pro- that what he had promised, he was able also to do, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Look here. You ever read that? Yeah. That doesn't match up with the Old Testament version. Does it? I don't see Paul here saying the knucklehead had this stupid attack with a bimelech, you know. I don't see here where he laughed and Sarah laughed because they couldn't whoop me anymore. I don't see the mention of the fact that he lost his way and produced an Ishmael. So what's up? Oh, it's perfect. There is no contradiction whatsoever. There is an omission. Listen, because God was not leading Abraham based on his human flaws. He was only defining him and performing in his life according to to the measure of faith that was being cultivated in the journey. How cool is that? In other words, God does not choose to bless you based on or not bless you based on your failures, poor decisions, or any such thing, nor does he choose necessarily to bless you on your good choices and good decisions. He chooses To bless you based on your potential. Listen. He chooses to bless you on what he sees. You can be and are supposed to be. He has a blueprint of what the finished product that has your name on it is supposed to be. And he operates based on that. So don't stay crippled because of what happened or even what you did. If you have fallen, get up. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. I will touch the beauty. He blesses you out of your potential. That's why you and I and any pastor doesn't just perceive 
We are blessed as men of God to see the sheep, the flock, in its ideal state. Even though they come through the doors all jacked up, beat up, worked over, smelling like the world, looking like the world, bring them on. Because the moment they walk into the presence, God gives vision and says, well, that's what happened there. But watch what I can make happen here. Come on. You have a testimony. Why are you crippled? You have a call. Why are you crippled? Come on, church. Lift your hands right now. He blesses you out of your potential. Out of your potential. He sees you. The God of Jeshurun, he called Israel Jeshurun. That Hebrew word, that's another message, but I'm going to throw this at you anyway. Since I've got you hostage here for another few minutes. Jeshurun is a term of endearment that God used toward Israel. And what that term defines it as, it defines itself as, in the original root is, my people at their ideal state. He loves you. He he inspired Paul to write every good thing about Abraham. When he could have told him, by the way, remind him of what a knucklehead he was. No. And the other reason why, not only does he bless you out of your potential, but he just sees you through the blood. He sees you through the blood. And that's why you and I, when we see them, and sometimes we understand that this one's going to be a little hard to work with, that's why we don't baptize you and just keep you under so you can just wake up in heaven and save us all the trouble. On that note, you should come up here and pray through. Now, sing singers, soothe the natives. Singer, sing, Papa. Listen to me. Somebody help that dude. The altar is open. God has a sense of humor. But everything that was said from this pulpit, he meant. Except for some of the stuff I said. I want you to reach for the beautiful gate today. I want you to understand how much He is willing to work with you through your history and every perception and every perspective that life has formed in your heart. I stand amazed when I consider how God must be grieved to see such potential and yet watch his people choose to remain crippled. 
It's time to rise up and walk. It's time to quit making excuses. It's time to move forward through the gate. He has placed some credibility in you that you have failed to see yet. He partook of humanity in every way. He forced himself to relate to you and I. He humbled himself and ushered grace to you and I. You know what's cool? He birthed himself his very creation he fed himself through his very creation are you listening what does that tell you about his willingness to engage you and have an intimate relationship with you and take you where you've never been come on let's pray Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray and let's be honest and be transparent. As we rise up and begin to walk toward the gate beautiful.
church, let's respond to what God is wanting to do. He's calling some of us to tread out, to walk out into the deep. Let's seek him right now, hands lifted high. Let this song become your prayer right now and you speak it in your own words. God, reform, reshape, renew. God's called some to make some very tough decisions today. He's spoken, he's spoken to some of us to make some very difficult transitions. He's called us in an attempt to reconcile us unto himself. Come on, you've got to commit it to him at all cost, God. Whatever the price I have to pay. Oh, yes. Come on, that's it with hands lifted high toward heaven. Let these words be your prayers. Say, God, make me over. shape. 